Welcome to the I Love Seville Show, guys. My name is Jerry Miller. It's great to be with you on a glorious day to be above the mud in downtown Charlottesville. Thank you kindly for joining us. Take a look at the screen for some topic matter for the Friday edition of the program. We're live all over social media. Um, I want to follow up with the Salvation Army discussion. I thought Carol Thorpe, the Queen of Jack Jewett, had a fantastic comment on yesterday's show. I will lead with that comment get you thinking about it, and then give you a snapshot of what we're going to cover today. She said, and she's the queen of Jack Jewett, um, she is a very well-read, well-informed citizen, a proud Albemarle County resident, the queen of Jack Jewett, who you heard at the last council meeting, um, speaking on the record before council about how they're managing Market Street Park and this homeless encampment. Yesterday, she said, Jerry, I made inquiries of Mark Van Meter with the Charlottesville Salvation Army on Monday. He told me that they have raised a little over $5 million of their $22 million goal for their Center of Hope capital campaign, which will add 50 beds, including family quarters, to the Salvation Army. That additional beds will complement their current 50 beds and expand their entire facility. Carol Thorpe says, for starters, why does not the city partner with them to help expedite this worthwhile project instead of reinventing the wheel from the ground up? Then today, in our pre-production meeting, Judah does some preparation. His, his opinion valued on the show, and he researches this through a story on NBC 29, currently the city of Charlottesville and the Salvation Army are not working together in any kind of strategic plan. You have Carol Thorpe, a connected, well-read, well-followed, civically engaged citizen, a regular viewer and listener of this fine and fair talk show, highlighting the Salvation Army and its capital campaign where it can 2x the available shelter, the sleeping availability. And then Judah does some digging and he finds that the city currently does not have a plan or a partnership in place with the Salvation Army. That boggles my mind. Carol calls it, what did she call it? I'm going to read it verbatim here. She calls it reinventing the wheel, Judah, from the ground up. That's exactly what the city is doing. Yeah. We're going to pick that apart like Thanksgiving turkey today on the I Love Seville show. I also want to cover on the program the follow-up of the breaking news we had on the show yesterday. The nonprofit Friends of Seville, it's a nonprofit, a 501c3, that's looking to improve quality of life in downtown Charlottesville and drive more foot traffic and, and positivity to uh, downtown Charlottesville. I'm a huge fan of the Friends of Seville. They're installing cameras up and down the downtown mall. The money from this camera installation project is money that was raised by passing the hat to downtown businesses and downtown uh, landlords and real estate owners. Cameras on either side of the mall. I had the take yesterday that this is managing perception and fostering the perception of safety and security through camera infrastructure installation. I also mentioned Jesse Matthew, the what? Serial killer? The murder the guy who murdered Hannah Graham? 
sentenced to life. He picked up, what, Hannah Graham, who was a 18-year-old second-year UVA student, out of tempo the bar, and put her on his shoulder and carried her out. One of the ways that he was caught, Jesse Matthew, then 32 at the time, this was in 2014, was through cameras positioned on the mall. Now, a lot of feedback to the program in our inboxes, text messages, emails, DMs on the camera situation. And this tweet from a respected viewer and listener is Jay Aswadi. Jay, am I messing up your last name? If you can jump in the chat, let me know how you say your name. Jay Aswadi, A-S-W-A-D-I. He says, Jerry, also for you, Judah, you should hear this. Jerry, as a libertarian, I don't want the government or a nonprofit installing cameras on the mall. It is overreach. Cops walking on the mall creates more of a deterrent than cameras, and the, sh- and the city should hire more cops. I get this one from Grayson, who routinely watches the show, North Downtown. He says, Jerry and Judah... Cameras on the mall is a stretch for me and my family. We want the mall to return to safety, but we also fear technology, criminals, and what they can do with hacking unprotected systems. Maybe a dozen of these have come in Mm -hmm. with that similar theme. I want to unpack that concept. Cameras on the mall, safety measure, or personal intrusion. Judah and I will discuss this on the show today. I want to talk Barracks Road Shopping Center. The number one shopping district in the city of Charlottesville and, and their price per square feet justify the statement I'm, I'm about to say. The most expensive rental market in Charlottesville City is Barracks Road Shopping Center and it's not even close. Lynn Goldman of Lynn Goldman Elements, she's on the downtown mall now, She told me one time going from Barracks Road to the downtown mall saved her significant money in rent and justified the move. Barracks Road Shopping Center has 17,929 square feet of vacant storefront space. Barracks Road Shopping Center is owned by Federal Realty. Federal Realty is a publicly traded company this publicly traded company and one of their trophy shopping centers, Barracks Road, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight vacant storefronts, Judah Wickhauer. Eight vacant storefronts in Barracks Road Shopping Center, a shopping center that before COVID was at capacity and had a waiting list of tenants looking to spend, I mean, some of these tenants, 60, 70, $80 a square foot. I mean, I've said on this program, the restaurant that's paying the highest rent in central Virginia is Ralph Sampson Tap House. Ralph Sampson's Tap House has an island pad. It's not within the shopping center. It's, it's, it's basically on an island in the shopping center. And it's massive. 
That's the most expensive rent in Charlottesville for a restaurant. So I want to unpack, I want to unpack 17,929 square feet of vacant storefront in Barracks Road Shopping Center on today's show. I also want to chatter on today's program. Uh, Green County Board of Supervisor resigning midterm. Neil Williamson, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum, broke this news. You do not often see supervisors resigning in the middle of their term. And we have now one in Green County. Abby Heflin has quit effective immediately. She joined the Board of Supervisors for the Standardsville District, Neil Williamson reports, in January of 2021. Her term expires in December 31 of 2025. So her term expires in, in, was that 26 months? Over two years? Effective immediately, she's resigned. This is, the, the last time I could remember this happening wasn't so long ago with Cena McGill quitting midterm with uh, Charlottesville City Council. So that's breaking news from Neil Williamson. Abby Heflin, Standardsville Supervisor, Green County, has quit effective immediately midterm. We'll talk about that on today's show, and we got some thoughts and predictions for 2023. Judah, why don't we weave you in on a two-shot? A lot of people watching the program right now, Judah. A lot of people watching the program right now. Um, I was... You and I talk topics before the show to discuss what we want to cover. You came up with this one. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It complements Carol Thorpe's um, comments from yesterday, which I thought were darn good. Yeah. Carol Thorpe said, look, if we want to make an impact with fixing the homeless encampment, aggressive yeah. panhandling, and the... Um, don't, start, don't start from scratch. Mounting homeless problem, don't start from scratch. She's like, partner with the nonprofits or the organizations that already have infrastructure in place, the institutional memory. And a, and a uh, what do you want to call it, a company, a uh, nonprofit that's been doing it for decades. I've got a spider climbing on my... Uh, Jason Howard and Kevin Yancey. We'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. Kevin Yancey of Waynesboro, Jason Howard of Rio Road. Um, what you uncovered really surprised me, where there was not an active... Judah's saving a spider's life. There was literally a spider on his microphone arm. Most people... There's the spider. You can see it right there. Can they see it? It's on his fingertips. Judah's holding a spider. It's crawling up your finger, down your ring finger, up your ring finger, going around the corner. It's now between your ring finger and your pinky, going up your pinky. Most people, uh, it's now got a web dropping from your pinky. Most people would, would squash that. Judah's going to gently rest the spider on the side of his desk. Wait, do, do you think that is what? Your, your, what? Was it your aunt that passed away that drank the Jim Beam and smoked the cigarettes? Oh, I got a funny story about is that. The, uh, was it your aunt? No, it was my grandmother. Your grandma. She had a business card, right, that she would carry around. And what was on that business card? Uh, I wish I had my wallet. It, had, it basically had how she liked her drink, uh, um, you know. How'd she like her drink? Uh, she liked it in a glass, neat, with a second glass filled with ice that she could move Mix. over to the drink glass as she needed it. And she drank Jim Beam. Yep. And she smoked cigarettes, right? Yep. Lung butter sticks, right? 
Do you think that your grandma reincarnated? Is that why we're trying to save the spider's life? Uh, no. I, I used to be terrified of spiders, and uh, I've been getting over that. I still, you know, like if I walked through a web and found a spider crawling on my face, I'd still probably scream for the uh, entire neighborhood to hear. And, but uh, but I'm, I'm getting over it, and spiders are bros. They keep... Uh, they keep they keep the flies and the uh, the mosquitoes and the other annoying bugs out of your home, and uh, they they literally can't hurt you. Judah Wickhauer. Like most spiders won't bite you. There you go. Going uh, spiders. Spider and even talk. the scary ones, you'd have to be you'd have to have like an underlying medical condition to really be ha- to really be worried about getting bitten by a spider. Judah's getting uh, getting over his arachnophobia. Yeah. And is now saving the lives of spiders. The I Love Seville show. That's quality content right there. That's for you, Andrew, yeah. on Twitter. Um, here's Salvation Army. Look, we talk, we're straight, you know, we talk topics that are raw and real on this show. Why is the city manager not forming an immediate partnership with the Salvation Army. I'm, I'm surprised that, it, that there hasn't been a partnership formed before now. Decades I mean, ago. This is literally we, from an NBC29 article. We've, we've had unhoused people in Charlottesville for as, I mean... I've been here 23 forever? years. For 20, I've been I here mean, 23 years. Does anyone honestly think that, there's, that there was a time in our recent past when there weren't unhoused people in Charlottesville. I mean, go to any city and they have people that don't have homes. So, obviously, I mean, we've had Salvation Army. You can you see them going up uh going up 5th Street Extended, right? Oh yeah. So I'm I'm sure they're doing something, but why uh why in this article are we reading that uh that there's no why, why does it say the Salvation Army uh, says it doesn't have a plan with Charlottesville? Right exact now, phrase. The Salvation that, Army says it does that. not have a plan with Charlottesville right now, but hopes to change it. Van Meter, the Salvation Army spokesman, says, and I quote, we know how to do shelters. We've been doing shelters for many decades, yeah. and so we know how to staff. We know how to program it. We, just, we know just how to provide those services, end quote. And he clearly indicates there is no plan in place with Charlottesville right now. And this was as of less than three days ago. He gave that quote to NBC29. Less than three days ago, Charlottesville City and the Salvation Army had no strategic plan. No strategic partnership. No joint venture. I, I, viewers and listeners, I'm flummoxed. I am confused. I... I, I, am be- I don't understand that. I'm bewildered. You have literally an organization knowing for, known for providing shelters with a reputable brand, Salvation Army at Christmas time, the bell ringers with the kettle bell. Yeah. Michael Guthrie, one of the most famous bell ringers with the kettle bell in Charlottesville, Almaro County. You saw him often on Ivy Road at Bel Air across from the old Roy Wheeler, now Howard Hanna. Mm-hmm. We should respectfully connect with city council 
and with Sam Sanders and ask the question, why did you not start with the Salvation Army? They have a campaign going to the tune of $22 million. They're $5 million roughly into the campaign. Their goal is $22 million, And that can 2x the bed count from 50, get them to 100, plus build a family sleeping quarters as well. This is low-hanging fruit. And when you have a crisis, and it's time we all admit this, we have a crisis on our hands when it comes to housing in Charlottesville. The pandemic has exasperated this, this crisis. Exacerbated. Exacerbated, thank you. The values have escalated dramatically. Yeah. At the same time, interest rates have two and a half X'd. Mushroomed. 2.5, 2.75x, depending, where you, depending on where you do your shopping. Mm-hmm. So you've got housing values since the pandemic have gone up, depending on where you live, 30 to 70%. Some cases, 80%. Yeah. You have interest rates going from 2% to now flirting with 8%. I mean, that's damn near close to a 4x if someone got a 2%er. A lot of people got 3%ers. 80% of American, 80% of American homeowners have interest rates below 4%. Home values escalate at the same time. Rates jump at the same time. People flock to Charlottesville. Bloomberg Magazine said Charlottesville in 2022 was the 15th in the nation for remote and hybrid work, the Charlottesville metro area. 15th in the area with percentage of workers, 15th in the country with percentage of workers working remotely or hybrid. Mm-hmm. Nearly a quarter of the Charlottesville metro area, according to Bloomberg, is working remote or hybrid. You got people flocking to the city with big bags of money tied to UVA, eventually tied to the $11 billion, 11B with a B billion, Amazon and Louisa County. That speculation is 800 to 1,200 jobs. I heard that from a board of supervisor in Louisa. Data science school, biotech school, expanded UVA enrollment, and UVA hiring more people. You're going to have eight to 10,000 additional people moving to this area within the next, what, five to seven years? There's a phrase in business, and I was having this conversation um, with uh, a colleague, a business associate, um, earlier today in a Zoom call. It's the KISS method. You know what the KISS method is? Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Opening up a park by lifting the curfew is not the KISS method. The KISS method is going to establish organizations and saying, how can we help you with the resources we have? The resources Charlottesville City has is... I mean, we've got the Salvation Army. <clears throat> You've got money. What? Money. Money. Okay. Charlottesville City has money. Yearly budget, well over $200 million. Salvation Army is trying to raise $22 million. They've currently raised $5 million. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They're 17 million short of their $22 million goal. And if they can hit their $22 million goal, they get an additional 50 beds. They double what they currently have, plus they create a family quarters for folks living on the streets in a family capacity to have shelter. You take a percentage of the money Charlottesville has, and you also utilize the platform that Charlottesville government has, the influence that the dais and council have, and you rally the community through current taxpayer dollars in the coffers, or by putting this on the front and center radar of Central Virginia and say, we need to get the Salvation Army to 22 million because that'll get, at minimum, 50 additional people off the streets and in beds. Winter is coming. It's going to get cold. And an entire family, multiple families, in sleeping arrangements or quarters. That's KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. There's also Pacham. Go down that road. I mean, uh, this article talks about the fact that they haven't uh, they haven't started up yet, but we're literally just talking about churches. We're talking about people that want to help, that have opened up their churches, usually during the winter months, to uh, to the houseless population. I know uh, I know our church in years past has hosted uh, have, we've hosted uh, unhoused women. And I think, I, as from what I understand, uh, some of the churches basically uh, cycle through. So one church will have will have uh, a group of women uh, be able to spend the night at the church for a week or two, and then it'll move to another church. But that's that's not like something that needs a lot of uh, a lot of preparation. It's basically like, hey, look, we have a problem. Call, call whoever whoever they have to talk to uh, with with Patchum, and say, hey, is there any way we can uh, we could find a church to house some people uh, because we're having some issues? I'm sure that there are many churches in the Charlottesville area that would be happy to open their doors and help out. Judah Wickhauer dropping dimes. J Dubs, as he's known to his adoring fans. On Twitter, Egg Store Sean, Egg Store Sean, back-to-back days offering commentary on Twitter. He says, A, nobody wants cameras anywhere until there's a crime, and then people realize they need the cameras. And he also says, Charlottesville has a perfect storm right now for homelessness and panhandling. I've highlighted that for about a month on the program with the soup kitchens, now the park with the no curfew, the downtown mall with the free internet, electrical outlets to charge devices everywhere, more, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner offered for free everywhere, and then a level of obscene wealth in Charlottesville, and at times guilt that comes with that obscene wealth that yields don't, giving money. Giving money. This from Deep Throat on Twitter. Deep, this is a good one from Deep Throat. I was just in London, Jerry and Judah, and one thing you notice there is that CCTV cameras are everywhere. Deep Throat then says, I looked up CCTV density 
London, England has the most CCTV cameras per kilometer outside of Asia. 39.27 CCTV cameras per uh, kilometer. New York has the highest density of CCTV cameras installed in the U.S. Yeah, those are, those are great points. Not to mention the fact that most of us are carrying around iPhones that have facial recognition, GPS, so they always know where you are. I mean, they used to have, uh, they used to have fingerprint openers. Like, people that are worried about, about uh, government overreach in, uh, in cameras and things like that, I mean, I completely understand I'm I'm with you, but at the same time, we've pretty much signed away our our uh, privacy uh, by adopting f- phones like this. And uh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. The fact of the matter is that we're already there. It's just a matter of how connected those systems are. So um, what you know, I and, and I I've really appreciated um, Jay interacting with us on Twitter. Jay says he's a libertarian and he doesn't want the government or a nonprofit installing cameras on the mall. He says it's an overreach. Instead, what we should be doing is filling the vacancies within the police department and hiring more policemen and having those police officers on a more visible beat on the downtown mall. How about I throw yeah, a hypothetical I, out there? I, I agree, but I just I, I I feel like, you know, this is this is Central Virginia. This is Charlottesville. Kevin Yancey says the difference with the cameras is all the ones you've talked about are state-operated and not a local nonprofit. Devil's Advocate. I know it's Friends of Seville doing the installation. We do not know if they have the access if strictly to the footage. Does it change anything in your mind that it's a nonprofit doing it and not local government doing it? That's Yancey's point. Your thoughts on that? I mean, to my way of thinking, that's one step removed from government. I mean, what are these people going to do with a bunch of video footage of people walking around the mall? Seriously. I'm, are we worried that uh, someone's going to see you walking on the mall for 15 seconds while you're in view of one of the cameras? I mean, I will, I will straight up say this. The cameras on the mall helped catch Jesse Matthew, who picked up Hannah Graham at Tempo Restaurant and put her on his shoulder and literally carried a second-year, 18-year-old student out of a bar in front of dozens of other people. That's nuts. But who, was, that a, was that a Tempo camera? It was, no, it was a camera on the... It was not a Tempo camera. It was a camera position um, storefronts next to Tempo. That so caught it. So it was based on... It was from the storefronts. They were the uh, installers. It was... Yes. In this particular circumstance, it was a storefront camera that caught her. If memory serves, it, it... I think it... If memory serves, and this was 2014, so this is nine years ago can't believe this was nine years ago. It feels like it was yesterday. It was the camera at Sal's Cafe Italia that saw him walking down the mall. And then they From saw... Tempo? He no. Ca- they, oh. There was a camera there that saw him walking down the mall to Tempo. Hmm. And they were st- then able to piecemeal other cameras that were more closer to Tempo 
with him walking down the mall and then the ones that were around Tempo that started the identification process of Jesse Matthew. Yeah. Kevin's making a good point. The footage that captured... Yeah, he's right. That's what I remember as well. The footage that captured Jesse Matthew were privately owned store cameras. That's what I remember as well. I'm going to respond to that. That's what I remember as well. So what your thoughts... Your thoughts of a nonprofit doing it for the mall in totality. I also want to emphasize this. By the letter of the law, the downtown mall is a public park. The definition in the letter of the law, the downtown mall is literally a public park. So on previous shows, and I've had a couple of viewers and listeners correct me on this, I've said the park that has the most prestige and pedigree in the city of Charlottesville is Market Street Park because of its location to downtown, its location to the police department, its location to all the courthouses, and the fact that it's right close to the shopping district um, that everyone wants to visit from a tourist, local, you know, parents, UVA student standpoint. Technically, the park with the most prestige and pedigree is the downtown itself. Now, that might be splitting hairs a little bit because a lot of folks don't necessarily see the mall as a park. They see it more as a shopping district. In fact, the largest uh, aggregation or the most density of storefronts in the city is the downtown mall. But technically, it's a park. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it change anything for you that it's a nonprofit that's doing it as opposed to private-owned businesses that's doing it? I would imagine that's the point Jay's going to make on Twitter as well. It's one thing if a private business, and Jay's already indicated his ideology. He said, I'm a libertarian, so we know what libertarians want. I identify in a lot of ways with what the libertarians stand for. I'm a small government guy. I don't want the government telling me what to do. I'm physically... Physically conservative and socially liberal. Yeah. Just don't want the government telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Pro woman's rights. You know, less taxation without representation, less taxation in totality. I want contested elections. Truly believe marijuana should be completely legalized and able to be sold at the retail level. Small government. He's going to say cameras installed by private businesses are fine because it's that private business's choice to do it. Then he will say a nonprofit doing it for an entire district is completely different than a private business doing it itself. Do you buy that? Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I get that there are there are differences in in the um, the layout and the uh, the outcome of setting that kind of thing up in the two different versions. I also think again that uh, you know we're we're not talking about we're not talking about Washington D.C. or you know we're, this is Central Virginia and I don't know what kind of connection this system is going to have to, you know, to the, to the net, uh, how easily, uh, hackable it'll be. And even if it is like, really, why would somebody want to hack the cameras on the downtown mall? See, I, uh, Janice Boyce Trevelyan says citizens in London are spray painting those cameras deep throat. 
So Janice Boyce Trevilian is responding to Deep Throat. She's doing it on one of the 15 Facebook pages this show is airing upon and saying that the citizens in London are spray painting those cameras. Rachel Burns, welcome to the program. Dylan Allwood, welcome to the program. Kelly Jackson, welcome to the program. Matt Neese, Amanda Kathleen, welcome to the program. Constance Wyant, welcome to the program. Holly Foster, you got Henrico, you got Keswick, you got Atlanta, you got Buckhead, you got folks in Florida watching those programs. Deep Throat responds to Janice Boyce Trevilian by saying this, no, those are the U-L-E-Z cameras. See, this is like above my pay grade here, this camera technology chatter. He says the CCTV cameras have been there for 20 years. He says the ones that are being spray-painted, Janice, are the U-L-E-Z cameras. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville said a camera was at Tool Jewelers. I was just chatting with Mary at Tool Jewelers the other day, and she says one of the cameras at Tool Jewelers caught Jesse Matthew. Vanessa Parkhill says, are the cameras installed by the nonprofit installed on private property or public? Um, this is what I saw. I saw the cameras being installed right above the, uh, right above the storefront windows. You just had uh, two counselors walk by the studio. You had um, cameras being installed above the... Uh, entries to the uh, storefronts. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's in a joint venture partnership where they're getting approval from the businesses and the owners of the building to do the installation. In fact, I'd, I'd be willing to bet some smackaroos that was the case. Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, says Patchum was started because some homeless folks froze to death many years ago. Kevin Yancey, it is private property where they're being installed. It is private property, 100%. 100% private property. So we're, we're unpacking a couple of key items, and these items we're unpacking are tied together. The city partnering with the Salvation Army to help the Salvation Army go from $5 million to $22 million, which would take them from 50 beds for the homeless to 100 beds from the homeless and also create a family quarters sleeping arrangement for families sleeping on the streets. They just need $17 million more. That's like 7 or 8% of the city of Charlottesville yearly budget, literally. I mean, and 7 or 8% of a budget is... Not an insignificant amount. Fair, but the city city council city be. council every year is allocating, and <clears throat> by every year, I mean almost every city council meeting is allocating funds to nonprofits. Yeah, and I'm not saying it would be poorly spent. I'm just saying that's not an insignificant amount to uh, uh, to ask for, but. <laughs> It's but, not an insignificant amount, and you're 100% right, but I do want to emphasize city council could, if it wanted to, say this particular year or this particular quarter yeah. or these back-to-back quarters, our nonprofit allocations will be strictly to the Salvation Army. Yeah. City council could do that. Yeah. And if it did do that, it would help the Salvation Army go from $5 million to $22 million, and it would raise awareness for the campaign which would lead or yield other donations from the private, from private citizens and businesses. Yeah. 
No doubt. I mean, good God. I bet you, I, I would bet you Friends of Seville, who's already organizing this camera installation on the downtown mall, and the camera installation on the downtown mall is undoubtedly tied to the rise in homelessness and aggressive panhandling on the downtown mall. And wouldn't it be crazy if uh, some of the in, insane uh, political donations that we hear about... Went, Sonia Smith? Went to... I, I wasn't... Sonia? Come on, Sonia! We've... Uh, Let's not uh, let's not single anyone out. There have been a lot of uh, campaign donations this uh, this go around, but imagine if some of that money were to be used to uh, to improve our uh, um, quality our, of life. Our facility, no, our facilities for uh, for the unhoused population. There you go. Judah Wickhauer dropping dimes. Hey, Michael Bills and Sonia Smith, you're the kingmakers of politics in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You literally donate more money to politicians that are running or, or active than anyone in Charlottesville, anyone in the Commonwealth, except maybe Dominion Electric. And in some election cycles, you donate more than Dominion Electric. Why don't you, instead of giving, was it 15,000 smackaroos to Allison Spillman? Is that how much she got? Let me go to VPAP. I think that was 15,000 smackaroos Sonia Smith gave Allison Spillman in a school board race in Almoral County. Why don't we give some of that money to Salvation Army with their capital improvement project? Project Hope. Help them 2X the beds. How about that? Top donors. Let me see top donors. Yeah? Memory was right. 15G, Sonia... To Allison, John Hickey, second for Allison Spillman's campaign, $1,600 donation, and the embattled Christopher Seaman at 1327 donated to Allison Spillman's campaign. Well, welcome Trey Barham to the program. Trey, thank you for watching on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, jump in here with questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, perspective. Got a couple of media outlets watching us on the program right now. We love when the local media watches the show. Janice Boyce Trevilian says, tell Deep Throat to check out hashtag Blade Runners on Instagram. It is the APNR cameras. Janice Boyce Trevilian says, Deep Throat, check out hashtag Blade Runners on Instagram. It is the APNR cameras. That's from JBT to deep throat. We got folks conversating on different platforms. We love when the viewers and listeners are doing that. Are you doing that now, Judah? Uh, I'm going to check it out. Blade Runners on Instagram. Judah's going to go check it out. All right, I want to get to Barracks Road here as you check it out. Viewers and listeners, jump in with perspective. I found this interesting. Kelly Jackson, I'm curious of your take on this, KJ. Respect your opinion on this. Frankly, I respect your opinion on anything, KJ. I sincerely, sincerely mean that. I think you know that. There are eight vacant storefronts currently on Barracks Road Shopping Center. Eight storefronts vacant in Barracks Road Shopping Center, the premier shopping district in the city, certainly the most expensive price per square foot in the city. 17000 929 vacant and open square feet in federal realties and one of federal realties primo or prime trophy properties. That's massive. That's significant. 
If you like where I got this information, you can go to LoopNet to see this info. In fact, I'll take the link from LoopNet and I will paste it in the comment section of my personal Facebook page. I'm pasting it in the comment section of the I Love Seville Facebook page, of the I Love Seville Food Facebook page. On LinkedIn, I'm pasting it in the thread of this show on Twitter. That way you guys can see what I'm talking about here. I'm putting it on Twitter. Loop net link we are talking about now on the I Love Seville show. All right. And then I'm going to put it on the I Love Seville group comment section. Let me know if you find the... Uh, that, that Instagram account, or if it's worth talking about, Deep Throat's conversating with Janice Boyce Trevelyan over here. We're, uh, like, we're like the operate, the phone operator here. Go ahead. Can find the hashtag Blade Runners. The top picture is a picture of, uh, of Hulk Hogan and, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Anyways. Uh, Randy Macho Man? No, no. Um, the Sarge? I can't. He had Mr. A, T? He had he had a mask thing, and it's been such a long time. Let me see. Sting, <clears throat> no. Uh, Luchadores, war, warrior guy, uh, Ultimate Warrior. I love the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> I'm not sure what that has to do with Blade Runner, but there are quite a few uh, there are quite a few uh, posts about the uh, the ULEZ cameras. This is what Deep Throat says to Janice Boyce Trevelyan. The Blade Runners are outraged at the charge for old high-emissions vehicles that go in central London. There are license plate cameras to catch these people and build them. The Blade Runners are wrecking the license plate reader cameras for the ULEZ zone. Yeah, that's what I'm watching, a video of a guy climbing a pole and wrecking one. And somebody responded to this with... Your car does not meet the required emissions levels, so it is not ULEZ compliant. But if you pay me 1250 uh, pounds, pence, I'm not sure, a day, I will let you still drive that very same car every day. Um, and they're not happy about uh, Sadiq Khan, who I believe is the MP, uh, the um, pr- uh, Prime Minister, PM. Prime yeah. Minister of, uh, of London. England. We're getting way out of my pay grade right now. Yeah. Uh, way out of my pay know grade. That, I'm not sure how that uh, relates to someone putting up cameras on the downtown mall. Well, Vanessa Parkhill's made the point. If it's private businesses putting up the cameras themselves, libertarians should have no problem with it. Many viewers and listeners are making the comment, if it's a third party or a nonprofit putting up the cameras with the approval of the private business owners and or the owners of the real estate, then libertarians should have no problem with it. Multiple viewers and listeners are saying that this is not government doing it, so libertarians should not have a problem with it. Kevin Higgins in Greenwood, Virginia, has said the cameras echoing what you've said, the phones and cameras we have in our hands or in our pockets every day should be much more worrisome than a camera that's hung above a storefront in the downtown mall. Yeah, we've given up so much liberty at this point that uh, some... I, I, I keep re- reiterating the fact that this is Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, I don't see this... Uh, I don't like that take, though. Why? I don't like that take. I don't like that take because 
a libertarian by nature is going to think or question or wonder the worst case scenario and if it could happen. And the worst case scenario is the hacking of this infrastructure for nefarious purposes. What? And you're basically marginalizing Charlottesville by saying it's so tiny, small potatoes that no one's ever going to do that. Well, first I'm marginalizing it by saying... I mean, we had Nazis attack First us. I'm marginalizing it by saying that I don't even know if it's going to be connected to anything. And yes, I'm, then I'm marginalizing, marginalizing it by saying, really? Some group is going to hack the system and do what with it? Neil Sam. Neil what, Sam. What possible benefit could you gain from video of people walking back and forth on the downtown mall. Neil Sam watching the program. Neil is one of the best pool players I have ever played pool with. He is a father now, a photographer, fantastic pool player. He says the ULEZ is to identify ultra-low emissions compliance, so it is just a special type of camera. Yeah. And he says, I agree with the cell phone refs. Basically saying the freedom dude. If someone wanted to F us, if someone wanted to F us, it would not be through a camera on the downtown mall. If they wanted to F us, it would be... I mean, TikTok users. If TikTok really is run by China... That's a good one. They literally... Think of all the people... I deleted TikTok from my phone. Think of all the people taking video of their surroundings. They're not just videotaping themselves. They're videotaping all the people that show up behind them or in front of them or at outside of, you know, it, we t- you talk about uh, being able to use video of people without their, without their consent, but I bet most of, us have, most of us have ended up in somebody's videos that we didn't even realize. Oh, no doubt. While the person was just, you know, filming around, whether it was on a vacation or uh, 100%. You know, FaceTiming someone and you happen to walk, be- walk by behind them. Uh, we are so immersed in, uh, in video technology that, and again, I, let's say somebody did hack all of the, the videos uh, all of the cameras on the downtown mall, however many they're planning on. Putting. I mean, listen to this point. What are they going to do with it? Listen are, to this point from Jason Howard. on the downtown mall at some point? Jason, Jason Howard makes this point. We have all been on tape in grocery stores since the 1980s, if not before. Getting recorded walking in front of a Jack Browns doesn't bother me. Getting recorded browsing turnips doesn't bother me either. Jason Howard, a king, uh, the king of Rio. I'm going to give him some props on that comment. He's, dude. Good points. Very good points. And Judah makes excellent points. Excellent points. If the app TikTok is truly controlled by the Chinese government and they have nefarious purposes, nefarious uh, intentions, we've probably been in more TikTok videos than you even know about. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, maybe you call me paranoid. I, took t- I deleted the app TikTok. Because when my friends and colleagues that work for government agencies or are subcontractors for government agencies yeah. say their organizations do not allow TikTok on their phones, I listen to them. Because yeah. they know stuff I don't know. University of Virginia doesn't allow UVA students to get on TikTok on the UVA network or its professors. Did you know that? 
I did not. The University of Virginia, on its network, does not allow students and professors to get on TikTok. It's understandable. Uh, and again, really, I, I, I we got to talk, Barrett Schroeder. I do understand the uh, the distaste some people feel towards uh, towards cameras, and I and I get the argument. I just. I just honestly don't see what s someone would gain by hacking downtown mall cameras. Carly Wagner, welcome to the program. Matt Yancey, welcome to the program. Richmond, Virginia in full force. Danessa, Vanessa Parkhill says, did you see the VA-based AI company that is looking to use their tech to pour over cameras in schools in an effort to identify potential threats? Maybe they monitor the mall too. Vanessa says, maybe we should all take a moment to watch Minority Report and The Terminator this weekend. She says that a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Watch some of those things. They're going to make you a little nervous when I technology know. becomes and what technology in the wrong hands can do. Uh, I know. Hence the TikTok reference. Minority Report was about, uh, was about arresting people before they even commit crimes. Minority Report is a hell of a franchise. Keith Clark, welcome to the program. What do you mean a franchise? Movie franchise. When you have a movie, you have uh, it's a franchise. When you have more than one, Minority like, Report only has one. What's that? Minority Report only has one. I thought there was more than one Minority Report. Are you sure about that? Yeah. No. It what's the a, one? Maybe am I Tom, thinking the one with Tom, Matt? It was a Tom Cruise movie based on a. Oh, a, I'm a, thinking the one with Matt Damon. What was the Matt Damon one? That was in the similar. You're right. That is Tom Cruise. What's the Matt Damon one? That was a franchise where he's kind of like a spy. Oh, uh, you're talking the about Born Kurt. Identity. Yeah. Yeah, I confuse those. What's your favorite Matt Damon movie of all time? My favorite Matt Damon movie? Well, I just watched, uh, I just watched The Last Duel with my parents. Uh, That's the, your number one? Uh, I don't know if it's my number one, but it was a really, really good movie. It was I, somewhat similar to Ra Rashomon with the, with the different perspectives. And it was really uh, extremely well done. Ridley Scott is an amazing director, uh, and all the actors, uh, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, uh, Ben Affleck, um, and all, they, were, they all did spectacular jobs. Highly recommend the movie. Um, I'll go Goodwill Hunting. I've never seen that movie. Wow. You would love it. Goodwill Hunting is excellent. Goodwill Hunting set um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck on their path to uh, superstardom. Yeah, because they wrote it. Yeah, and starred in it. Yeah. Robin Williams, the late, great Robin Williams, was fantastic in Goodwill Hunting. The therapist who troubled Matt Damon, a genius. Mm -hmm. A genius from the streets of Boston. Yeah. How do you like them apples? How do you like them apples? <laughs> Minnie Driver. I mean, fell in love with Minnie Driver in Goodwill Hunting. The beautiful Harvard student and the love interest mm -hmm. of Matt Damon and his character Will Hunting. Also, it should not be forgotten that Ben Affleck's younger brother, Casey, Casey. Affleck, was in Goodwill Hunting. And Casey Affleck parlayed perhaps his proximity to Ben Affleck into a pretty stellar movie career as well. Yeah. Casey Affleck, a star in, gosh, what was the name of that movie he was in? He's been in all kinds of stuff. No, but there was one that really, Gone Baby Gone. Have you seen that one? Uh, oh my gosh. 
Dude, if you haven't seen that Gone Baby... the one where she disappears, but she fakes her disappearance or something? Well, and... no spoilers. Oh, okay, well... No spoilers. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm no spoilers. not giving away anything that it I know. It was Ben Affleck's directorial debut, Gone Baby Gone. Viewers and listeners, watch those movies this weekend. Goodwill Hunting and Gone Baby Gone. Judah, watch Goodwill Hunting this weekend. Maybe. Why? I just I just watched part of it the other day. Uh, I was looking up the. Uh, it didn't tickle your fancy. The apples line. I, the thing is, I know most of the story already. That's the problem. Is I I. I absorb a lot of information, and so I like movies that I've never, even thought to watch. I know most of the the story to already. Um, but anyways. All right. Can we talk Barracks Road? I got a two o'clock meeting. Barracks sure. Road, eight open storefronts, seventeen thousand nine hundred and twenty-nine vacant square feet in Barracks Road Shopping Center. Man. How do you? Where do you want to go with that? I mean, we were worried about the downtown mall um, a few months ago. You thought there were far more uh, empty storefronts on the there, downtown mall. A few months ago, there were 11. Than there were. There were 11. But when you had me go and check, there were five. There, there, there's, I, we should take a walk and look. Did you look on the side streets? This was on a, uh, this was a media stories, too. Downtown mall, vacancy, NBC 29. Let me Google that, see if that comes up. Uh, August 11th, 2023. Retail vacancies fluctuating in Charlottesville. All right, this is from NBC29. Charlottesville's downtown mall has the most stores in the city. This is from an August 11th, 2023 NBC29 report. The headline is retail vacancies fluctuating in Charlottesville. I'll Facebook DM you this right now, Judah, so you can see it as well. So I'm going to Facebook DM you this. This is from not even, this is from 40 days ago. It's in your Facebook DMs. NBC 29 reported that the downtown mall has the most stores in the city, 190 total stores, but the most vacancies at 11. Vacancies that were up at Seminole Square as well, increasing from five to seven from the beginning of the year. The corner reported two vacancies at the start of the year. Barracks Road Shopping Center improved from eight to six vacancies since January. It's now back to eight. So I'm eight vacancies for barracks and basically 18,000 square feet, the exact amount 17,929. That's significant. That is significant. Kevin, what was the the comment that you made, Yancey? Of, of the curve, the parallel. I'm trying to find that comment again. If you post that again, Yancey, I'll read it on air because I thought it was a good one. The comment you made about uh, comparing and contrasting the vacancies. Post that in the feed again if you could. All right, here's my take on it. You ready? My take is A, barracks is extremely expensive. B, Barracks wants tenants and long-term leases that don't offer much flexibility. C, Barracks is a publicly traded company. Federal Realty, the owner of Barracks Road Shopping Center, does not mess around. 
Their leases are ironclad tight. They're personal guarantees. Your house is on the line. Next, retail being cannibalized by the internet faster and faster and faster and faster every single day. Kevin Yancey says, if you averaged Barracks Road and Stonefield, I'd bet the percentages were very similar. I think that's a very good bet. Stonefield is riding the coattails of Barracks when it comes to price per square foot. Stonefield in Almoral County, though, Barracks in the city. Barracks needs to position itself hell. Many retail shopping districts need to reposition themselves from selling widgets on shelves to an omni-experiential experience, omni-experiential shopping experience. This is what omni-experiential means. You go into the location and you can experience something that you cannot experience by buying something on Amazon. The happy cook. You can go into the happy cook. Monique owns the business and you can take cooking classes in person you can make an awesome dish, learn how to make the awesome dish, and you can try the utensils that they sell on the shelves. You yeah. fall in love with the tools and the utensils, the, the, the cooking equipment while doing the class, and then you can buy them right when the class is over and take them home. Mm-hmm. Patty Zeller, Animal Connection. You go into Animal Connection, not just to buy dog food, leashes, and treats, but you go into Animal Connection to get dog grooming, to use a self-serve dog wash, to get knowledge and expertise from someone that's been in the business for decades. You get dog training. That's omni-experiential. Furthermore, I think those shopping centers need to start focusing on things like exercise and sports experiences that's why you're seeing in richmond tallheimer the retail the uh, real estate giant tallheimer is literally developing empty shopping centers into pickleball epicenters pickleball epicenters look at barracks road shopping center they have um oh we had this founders on the program i'm drawing a blank on this i gotta be out of here in three minutes to make my two o'clock. Um, stretch. Stretch Lab. We had the husband and wife behind Stretch Lab. That's in Barracks Road Shopping Center. You go to Barracks now and you can have stretchologists stretch you out on a table in Barracks Road Shopping Center. Orange Theory is in Barracks Road Shopping Center. Salons in Barracks Road Shopping Center. Restaurants, Barracks Road Shopping Center. Grocery stores, Barracks Road Shopping Center. Jason Halloran and his beautiful wife are the co-owners of Stretch Lab. Mm-hmm. You're just having to see a lot of storefronts pivot and adapt. I mean, take what we're doing here. We have... 24 executive office spaces that we own and manage. Look at some of the new tenants that have moved in. One of them is a massage therapist. One of them is a photographer. We have a camera studio, a, a, uh, someone who does corporate video shoots. Before the pandemic, you had 
sit-down-at-your-desk professionals. Now you have chiropractors and dentists and massage therapists and photographers. It's called innovating and adapting. It's what successful entrepreneurs do well. Christian Piccolo, one of Phi Kappa Psi's finest, is watching the program right now. Christian Piccolo, I remember when we played two-on-two basketball outside Phi Kappa Psi. I was guarding you on the perimeter. You crossed me over, took me to the rack, and tried to dunk on my head. You basically did it. You were a beast on that Phi Kappa Psi basketball court, my friend. Daniel Grimes watching the program. I see 12 different states on the show. Cara of Ting watching the show. Sarah James watching the show. Maria Walsh Welsh watching the program. Show airs all over social media live. Eight vacant storefronts and barracks is concerning. A couple of items out of the notebook. I've got to get out of here in two months. I, uh, two minutes. I guess I'm going to save my final months of 2023 thoughts and predictions until Monday. Monday's show is going to be exciting. Green County supervisor resigned midterm. Neil Williamson broke this news. Mm-hmm. Abby Heflin resigned in the middle of her term on the Green County Board of Supervisors. She was the supervisor and the representative for the Standardsville District. Her term expires in December 31 of 2025. She has over two years left on her term. And she resigned midterm, breaking news from Neil Williamson and the Free Enterprise Forum. Matthew Lawson, hello and welcome to the show. I'm going to close with thoughts and perspective on the manhunt from yesterday. Okay. You can offer any perspective here. <clears throat> I've got my own little uh, personal interest story. Oh, you have, you have, oh, you have a close? Okay, go ahead, my friend. Can you do it in 30 seconds so I'm not late? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, show is yours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this back around to the beginning where you uh, asked about my, uh, my, grandmother, my grandmother and the Jim Beam. Well, I got to see my grandmother this weekend. This weekend. Uh, not in the way you might think because she passed away years ago. But somebody brought her ashes in, and we're looking at it on screen right now, in a tiny little Jim Beam bottle. And uh, here is... Here are my uh, my mom and sisters and I. You're with, putting this on screen? With my grandmother. Wow. Judah seeing his grandmother who smoked darts, smoked lung butter sticks, smoked like a chimney, pounded Jim Beam whiskey, had loved Jim Beam whiskey. Loved Jim Beam. That's your grandma in that Jim Beam airplane bottle? Yep. Her entire body no, fits... No, I don't think that's all of the ashes okay. that left. No. Okay, so that's not all the ashes of a human. I don't know how the cremation works. Do all the ashes of a human fit in a Jim Beam airplane bottle? Uh, something tells me no. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. I just took it off. Your grandma... Put it back on screen. Your great. You know what? I'll save my thoughts on the manhunt for Monday. I'm going to close with <laughs> thoughts on Judah's grandma. I've never met her, but she sounds like an amazing woman. This woman had a business card in her purse where she would go to cocktail hour. She'd pull out this business card, which showed exactly how she wanted her Jim Beam poured for her. She wanted two rocks glasses, one glass with the rocks, and the other glass strictly of Jim Beam. Yep. Give me the rocks glass and the Jim Beam. She had dangling from her lips 
and extended Virginia Slims. What kind of cigarettes did she smoke? It may have been Virginia Slims. I, you've right? said in the past Virginia <clears throat> Slims. My memory is damn good. She I, had an extended, the long my version would know better. of Virginia Slims dangling from her lip, I, I, a cloud of cigarette smoke engulfing. How old? When did she die? How old? 95. A cloud of cigarette smoke engulfing her 95-year-old body. Her hair was perfect. Her bonnet unruffled. Her bonnet. Her blouse pristinely pressed. Her lipstick perfectly manicured on her lush lips. Alrighty then. The stain of her lipstick. I think better than I did. The stain of her lipstick on the butt of her Virginia Slim. The whiskey, a spoon, grabs a couple of rocks, drops it in the gym beam. She sips it, she takes a drag, and she tells Judah Wickower, Mandy and Trisha, I love you guys. I love you dearly. And that's the I Love Seville show on a Friday. Definitely not my grandmother. For Mrs. Wickower, what was her name? What, my grandmother? Yeah. She was not a Wickower. She was, uh, uh, well. I have to go. Her name was Catherine, her last, her la- Catherine Laird. For Kitty for, Laird. For Kitty. Kitty's a great name. Yeah. Anyone named Kitty. She hated cats. Anyone named Kitty loves to booze. For all the kitties out there. Maybe. Who love to booze. You guys have a good weekend.